0: How many of you always pick the window seat when you're flying? I asked this question a couple of times this week. It's a hot topic, y'all. If you want to start a debate, an all-out quarrel, a quarrel? Who says that? Anyway, <laughs> ask, them, ask them that question. I, I'm not a, a big-time flyer, but when I do, I pick the obvious choice, the aisle. And I've thought through it. I've got a couple of different reasons. Y'all ready? Number one, I get a little extra leg room because I can kind of stick my leg out in the aisle as long as the cart doesn't run over my foot. Got to be paying attention. Um, the second reason is because I, I don't feel trapped in. I mean, if you're by the window, you got a window on one side and you got a person on the other side that you probably don't know who's coughing. <laughs> the third reason, the third reason is pretty, pretty practical. It's because at some point during the flight, I got to pee. And I don't want to have to climb over people when I've got to go to the lavatory. Which, by the way, why do we only call it a lavatory on an airplane? I mean nobody nobody is sitting at home watching TV and says, I'm sorry, I gotta go to the lavatory during the next commercial. (laughs) Nobody says that. Well, I, I read an article and it said that we should all be picking the window seat. Let me it gives a few different reasons. Number one, it says the window seat is better for resting because you can lean your head against the window which seems like a good way to get head lice. Number two, <laughs> just saying. Number two, it says it's better for working because you can kind of angle your stuff so that nobody sees what's on your screen. Makes a little sense. Number three seems very selfish after what I just said. It said nobody climbs over you if you're on the window seat. Number four, you get to control the window shades. How many of y'all know there's some serious throwdown can go over whether the window shade is up or down on an airplane? Have y'all ever seen some videos of people brawling over the window shade being up or down? I don't want that responsibility. (laughs) Today, I wanna talk about a guy who had some experience with the window seat. And today, my my title is Take the Window Seat. Look at somebody next to you and say, take the window seat. Now see, y'all said it way too nice This time when you say it, say it with some conviction. Take the window seat. seat. (laughs) Daniel 6. All right, it didn't take that long, y'all, we're done. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Daniel 6, starting in verse 10, says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened, Towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. So if you don't know this story, we jump in at a time that seems warm and fuzzy, don't we? It seems perfect, a perfect story for church. The guy's praying, it's what he does. We're in church. I bet we're talking about prayer today. If you don't know the story, it seems like things are going well for Daniel. He's a Bible hero. Of course, he would be praying. In fact, the Jews of this time, not just Daniel, would have been doing what Daniel's doing here. They would have bowed down in humility towards God, and they would have prayed three times a day, morning, evening, and at noon. They would have done that, and they would have faced Jerusalem, which was something that they began doing after the dedication of Solomon's temple. And so it seems like it's so perfect. We're going we're to talk about prayer, Daniel's praying, warm, fuzzy stuff, until you see the context of where Daniel 6, verse 10 comes in. You see, at this point, the Israelites are in captivity in Babylon. They've been taken captive in Babylon And King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the time, selected some top young people to kind of be his, to work on the inside of his kingdom. Not that King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to help them out, but it was really so that he could further indoctrinate them to the ways of Babylon. Daniel is one of those men, and Daniel has kind of worked his way up since he's been in captivity working for the king. As a matter of fact, if you go back and read just a little bit, Daniel is about to be promoted to head administrator to the lead administrator. And what verse 10 doesn't tell you is when the other leaders of the time, the other people that were working in the kingdom with the king found out that Daniel was about to be promoted, they got ridden with jealousy and hate. They were jealous, obviously, because Daniel was gonna get the promotion, but they also were kind of stricken with hate because they had been using their place, their standing with the king for their own personal financial gain. And so they know that if Daniel becomes the top administrator, there's no longer gonna be this oversight of their taking advantage of the system. So these other leaders decide they've got to, they've got to figure something out and they do. Look at verse four. Daniel 6 says, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men came together and said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Wow, what a testimony to who Daniel is, right? What a testimony to the integrity and to the love for God that Daniel walks with because these men know Daniel has a relationship with God. He walks with God, he loves God. If we are ever going to get something on him, it's not going to be because he did something wrong or because he's corrupt. The only way that we're gonna be able to get rid of Daniel is if we develop some sort and taught the king into developing some sort of law that is against the God that he loves so much. I started thinking, I wonder if people think about me like that. Like I wonder if when people think about Jonathan, do they think that is a man of integrity. That is a man who loves other people. That is a man who you, can, you are not gonna get him to abandon the truth that he believes. That is a man who lives out what he preaches. I wonder if people say that about you. Like if the people you work with, if you're a believer in the room, There's talk about you, but the talk is, is if you need somebody to do something fishy, don't talk to them because they're not gonna do it. I wonder if you have that kind of testimony with your family that if, if you're looking for somebody to do something wrong, if you're looking for somebody to push other people down so that they can get ahead, don't talk to them. Not because It's not because we're perfect. It's not because Daniel's perfect here. Daniel is not Jesus, but it's because he had the reputation and he had walked his life and he had stuck with God and he had a relationship with God that they knew if we are going to get something over on Daniel, it's not gonna be because he abandons his God. I wonder if we have that kind of reputation. So these leaders, they come up with a plan. Verse six says, so these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius, so we've advanced a couple of kings past Nebuchadnezzar, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any God or human being during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty. See how they're buttering him up? Shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius, put the decree in writing. Did you know that following God doesn't mean an easy life for you? Some of you have experienced this, right? Where you thought, when you decided to commit your life to Christ, or recommit your life to Christ, or start going to church, or start being a giver, or start trying to be the man, the husband, the wife that you thought you were supposed to be. You have experienced how when that happened, it didn't make things easier for you, it made them harder. Walking with God, loving God, doesn't mean difficult times won't come and it doesn't mean that everyone else is going to like you. People will bite and the enemy will attack. And listen to me, one of Satan's greatest lies to you is he wants to convince you that because your life is difficult, because you are going through a difficult season, that you must be doing something wrong and therefore God is mad at you. Because if he can convince you that you're wrong and that God is mad at you, you will begin to abandon those things and step, take steps away from God. And he can't take away your relationship with Christ, but he can make you ineffective and he can make your life miserable. Just because things are difficult doesn't mean that God is checked out and it doesn't mean that you have done anything wrong. I talked with a lady a few weeks ago and she literally made the statement to me, I've quit reading my Bible. I've quit praying because every time I do, it seems like things get worse. Now, it's not, it's not always the enemy. Sometimes you and I, we make stupid decisions and we reap what we sow y'all experience that too just having a relationship with jesus doesn't mean natural thing natural laws aren't in place if you do something stupid you will suffer the consequences but oftentimes if you're a believer and you're trying to do your best to follow after god and involve god in your life and involve god in your family oftentimes things will get worse Sometimes you're being attacked and it's not because you've done anything wrong, but it's because of what you're doing right. If you look back over the story of Daniel, you'll see that Daniel's a good man. Daniel walked with God. Daniel loved God. Daniel talked to God. Daniel had a relationship with God, but yet he still finds himself in this situation, and I just wanna tell somebody today, and I feel like I need to, I feel like this is from God, I wanna tell somebody today that your struggle isn't a sign that you're doing something wrong. Some of your problems, some of the attacks of the enemy, Satan, sometimes the attacks of other people on your life will be not because you're doing something wrong, but because you possess gifts that they don't understand. So some people will look at you and they will see the way you carry yourself. They will see the, how hospitable you are. They will see your ability to take care of kids. They will see your ability to raise a family. They will see your ability to do your job and they will not like you and they will attack you and problems will come because you have gifts that they desire jealousy is a cruel motivator and people will lash out when you possess something that they don't have. Some of your greatest struggles and some of the attack from other people will come because they don't understand you. And have y'all noticed that as a culture we don't like what we can't understand? I really believe that this is a reason for a lot of the racism in our country. It's because when people don't understand your culture when people don't understand the way you were raised, when people don't understand your past, when people don't understand your struggles that they haven't gone through, people will lash out at you when they don't understand you. And so some of you today are dealing with stuff And it's not because you've done anything wrong. It's because other people don't understand you. They don't understand the addiction you've been through. They don't understand how you were treated as a child. They don't understand the personality you have because you were treated like that as a child. And so some people don't like you and some people will attack you based on who you are because they can't understand you. And people don't like people they can't understand, especially when they feel like that person has something they want. And so trouble will come even when you're doing everything right, even when you're trying to get it together, even when, you're, when, you're, when you've recommitted your life to following Jesus, trouble will still come. And sometimes trouble comes not because you're wrong, but because other people don't like what's right about you, because of the way you carry yourself. I fully believe that as believers, sometimes people sense Holy Spirit inside of us, and they don't like us because there's something inside of them that doesn't like that. And that is not a sign that you're doing anything wrong. That is because of what is right about you. So the other leaders realized that Daniel is a God-fearing man, so they manipulate this king into signing this law. And it would seem like Daniel's backed into a corner, like he's kind of doomed, right? Like he's gonna have to change something if he's gonna be able to survive. He's gonna have to hide his relationship with God. He's gonna have to do something different. But then we get to verse 10 that I read at first, and I'll read it again. It says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem Three times a day, he got down on his knees, humbled himself before God and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Talk about boldness, right? Talk about faith, right? Daniel finds himself backed into this corner and does the same exact thing he did before the decree, before the law was signed into place. Now, I gotta admit, some of you, and me after this would have thought you know maybe i can shut that window right there lions are big (laughs) and as we're going to find out next week those suckers are hungry maybe i can shut this window you know what god hears my prayers in the bed did y'all know that god hears your prayers whether you have your eyes closed or not i mean it wasn't like god wasn't going to hear his prayers if he didn't pray in front of the window if it, would have been, if it would have been us, we might would have made some concessions, right? God, I'll just talk to God when I'm, when I'm laying in the bed, or maybe I'll just do it two times a day. Or, hey, a month isn't that long. God, God knows I love him. But Daniel doesn't do that. Daniel goes right back to the thing that he was doing before the decree was issued. And do you know why I think he does that? Because he had built a relationship with God before the trouble came. Because he had been praying in front of that window, Three times a day before the attack came, he was able to stay in the window seat when the attack came. He had pre-decided that no matter what's thrown my way, no matter who gets mad at me because of who I am, no matter who doesn't understand me, no matter what the enemy brings, no matter what financial strains come, I know who I am, and he has pre-decided that he's going to walk a life of faith and integrity built on the truth of God, and he decided it before the trouble came. And some of you, you've you've tried the whole grit your teeth. You haven't walked with God, but the trouble comes, and so you're gonna grit your teeth and trust God, right? It doesn't work. If you don't build a relationship with God before the trouble comes, no no amount of self-discipline will help you trust him during the trouble. For Daniel, this wasn't a ritual. This wasn't just something he was commanded to do no for daniel this was this was personal for daniel it meant more daniel knew god he had walked with god he had felt god he had felt his presence he knew he was loved he 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 talked to god and he understood and so when tough times came daniel wasn't willing to sacrifice that deep relationship with God and a relationship with God is the only thing that will sustain you when the enemies come and hard times fall. It's the only thing. But if you wait to know God until you think you need him, it won't work. When trouble breaks out as believers, it's our time to to press in. But I do think this whole thing brings up an interesting question. Pastor Scott talked a few weeks ago about we obey authority. Some of you are thinking that right now. Well, Pastor Scott said a few weeks ago we're supposed to obey authority, so what about Daniel, huh? (laughs) Thought about that? Gotcha. Isn't that what y'all are thinking? No, nobody's thinking that. I thought about it. There are times when man's laws and God's truth intersect, when that happens, we have to choose God's truth. We are to respect, we are to honor, God-given authority over us. It's a biblical principle and we do that. But when those times come, where we have to choose man's rules or God's truth, we choose God's truth. Notice Daniel's attitude in this. Daniel isn't trying to be a jerk. He's not doing this from a sense of entitlement or to make, to make himself look better. No, he's doing this with a sense of humility and dedication to his God. It's about the heart. And it's about what his ultimate goal is. And his ultimate goal is to honor God above all. Y'all, we have to stay faithful to God no matter what. Difficult seasons are not the times to start compromising. They're the times to draw closer to God. Daniel... Could have closed the window. He had been a man of prayer. He could have said, it'll last me a month. It's only 30 days. He could have prayed with a sheet over his head. He could have, it would have been easier for him to to bow to the culture around him, to the law of the day. It would have been easy for him to close the window, but he didn't. And and y'all know what I think. I think him praying in front of this window is a bigger deal than just a ritual. I think when Daniel opens the window and prays in front of the window, after this decree has been issued, I think it is Daniel taking a stand. And I think Daniel is putting his foot in the ground and he is saying, you know what? You can attack me, you can come after me, you can not like me, you can try to push me to do things, culture can try to change me, but I am sitting in this window because it is a declaration that I am standing on truth. I am taking the window seat because I know my God and I know he is gonna be faithful as long as I stay at the window seat. I think this is a declaration for Daniel saying, I am not backing down. So he takes the window seat. He makes the declaration. And here's what I want to tell every believer in the room. Don't give in when the pressure's turned up. When everyone else seems to be backing out of their faith. When everyone else is stepping over people to get ahead when everyone is mistreating people they should be loving, when everyone else is looking for happiness in other places, don't back down. Why is it that, as I'm speaking for Christians, that we would rather argue over a political office and we will take a bigger stand on a political office than we will take on the truth of God? Why is it we would take a bigger stand over what coffee is best then we'll take a stand on the truth and the word of God. You've got to take the window seat. You've got to stay faithful. Now, I'm not saying you're a jerk. We stand on truth, but we do it in love. And and here's the problem is that a lot of times people fall on one side of that or the other, right? We have this group of people who are determined to take a stand and stand up for what's right, but they're jerks and nobody likes them and they're hateful and mean and nobody wants to be a part of that. But then we have these other people who, if it feels good, live your truth. We have these other people that are all about love. No, we have to stand on truth and love. That's who Jesus was. He said, I know the truth, but I love you. He said, I'm sticking up for the truth. I'm living the truth. I'm not, making, I'm, I'm not bowing to culture, but I love you. I love you, culture, but I'm not coming with you. We have to stand on truth and love. Truth and love. And take the window seat. You see, right now, We're living in changing times, y'all. Have y'all noticed? Y'all been under a rock? (laughs) Y'all been in the lavatory for 12 years? (laughs) We're living in changing times. As a matter of fact, culture, not a term I would use, but culture would say it's a post-Christian time. And what's happening is, as time progresses, people are, People are looking for any way to solve and to fill that God-shaped hole in their life see, I really do believe, and some of y'all have experienced this, that we have this, 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 this lack inside of us that only God can feel. And so what, what tends to happen is people try to shove different stuff in there. And that's they, they, they shove a relationship or they shove some sort of uh, way to, to, to solve problems or they sur- shove addiction or alcoholism or, or whatever it is into this God-shaped hole. And people are looking to feel that right now. The problem is, is they're looking everywhere except for the God of the Bible a lot of times it feels like. And so as people continue to do that, what breaks my heart is I see a lot of Christians that are doing the same thing. And and here's why I believe. Because you can't control God, but you can control how something will make you feel. So when you feel like God's not working the way you want to, you will turn towards some new age something to try to fill that hole. Crystals. Cards. Astrology meditation that's not Christ-centered. Christians, and it breaks my heart as a pastor, it breaks my heart every time somebody has a, every time I have a one-on-one conversation with somebody and they tell me they've turned to this stuff. Christians are taking steps, trying to fill that hole. And I'm not disagreeing with natural medicine. But when you use something natural to make a spiritual connection and you think it's gonna change your future or your past, there's something wrong with that. Because let me tell you, there's, according to Scripture, there's only two types of spirits. There's Holy Spirit and angels, and there's Satan and demons. And if you were doing something that is forbidden in Scripture, and you were connecting with a spirit, guess what? You're not connecting with God. We've got to take the window seat, y'all. We've got to take the window seat and we've got to take a stand. We've got to say, I love you, but I'm not bowing to the culture of the day. Anything other than Jesus and the God of the Bible would do nothing to satisfy your deepest spiritual longings or change your situation. Only Jesus can save you and fulfill you to the core. Just because times are tough does not mean God's not real, and just because things get hard doesn't mean it's time to look to something else. Jesus is your answer. So of course, these leaders have gotten their wish. In verse 11, it says these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So we went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. And I can hear them saying this. Hey, king, didn't you, I remember something about, didn't you publish a decree that during the next 30 days or so, I don't know, anyone who prays to any god or human being except ah, maybe you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den, says the king answered. The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes, and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So there's evidence here that King Darius actually favors Daniel. We'll see that some more next week, but it's even obvious here because he's about to promote him, remember? He's about to promote him to to top administrator. But because Darius is being flattered and manipulated, he's forced to go through with it to throw Daniel into the lion's den. Now, if, if you're a believer, or, or maybe not, and maybe you didn't know this story, this isn't the ending that you wanted, right? Like, you wanted me to say, okay, Daniel took his window seat, he took a stand, he didn't bow to pressure, and when it came time, the king said, ha ha, just kidding, do whatever you want, Daniel. That's the way we want the story to turn out, Right? Like, Daniel, just completely avoid the lion's den because you've done it all right. You've taken a stand. You have a relationship with God. People attacked you. People didn't like your gifts. People didn't like who you are, but you've done everything right. So, Daniel, you get out scotch-free, but that doesn't happen, and do you know why? Because following Jesus doesn't always lead to where we want it to. Somebody after the first service said, if you are taking the window seat on a plane, the plane doesn't always go to vacation. Following Jesus doesn't always lead where you want it to. It doesn't always lead to a warm, fuzzy feeling. It doesn't always lead to having all of your wants met. It doesn't always lead to to the healing you've desired. It doesn't always lead to easy, but it always leads to God being faithful. And y'all, I know this isn't easy preaching. This isn't going to draw a big crowd next week. Y'all probably ain't going to come back next week. I believe this so purely and I love you so dearly that I want you to know that if you place your trust in the God of this Bible and you will walk with him and you will plant your life in him and you will take a stand and you will take the window seat in love the God of this Bible is always, always faithful. These pages prove it. My life proves it. The lives of so many other people I know proves it. He is always faithful. In my previous church, there was a, a senior lady. She was a senior black lady who was well into her 80s at the time. She had had a stroke and. She was in rehab, and so I'd go and visit her about once a month and just, just talk with her. She would share stories. I don't, I don't know if I ever helped her, but she made a dramatic impact on my life. And one of the stories she used to tell me was about being in Selma, Alabama in the 1960s. And that she lived there. If you don't know Selma, Alabama, there's a movie about it. It's the height of, big, big pinnacle of, racism and civil rights movement and as she would tell stories as best as i could understand her i would ask her questions like so what would you do like how did how did you make it how did you survive and she would always finish her stories as best as i could understand them by saying it wasn't easy but god is always faithful She would tell me stories about what happened to her family, about what happened to her friends, all because of the color of their skin. And she would always say, it wasn't easy, but God is always faithful. As one of your pastors, as a man called to preach the word of God, I want to tell you today, and I want you to hear me say it, that it's not always easy, but God is always faithful. Come on, somebody. So I can take my stand by the window seat. I can stand on the truth of the word of God because it is a lasting truth and it is full truth. I can love the people around me because I know that God is always, always, always faithful. His way always leads to faithfulness. It may not always be a vacation, but it is a faithful God. His way always leads to goodness and mercy and love and grace. His way always leads to faithfulness. So I can take a stand. I can take the window seat and I can know that God has my See, so y'all come back next week. We're going to cover the rest of chapter six. And I think you're going to like how it ends a lot better. Because you're going to learn again. God is always, always faithful. With every head bowed and every eye closed. There's people under the sound of my voice this morning, whether you're watching online or whether you're in the room, and That story of you trying to fill this God-shaped hole with everything but God has been so accurate for you. You have turned to so many different things, but yet today, this morning, you still find yourself empty inside with something missing. Let me introduce you. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He does make a way where there's no way. His love is unfathomable. His grace is amazing. He came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on a cross in your place, got out of a grave three days later so that just by believing in him and confessing him as your savior, you will be saved. No matter what thing and culture tries to shift your foundation, he is stable. So if you need a relationship with Jesus this morning, you can say this prayer in your heart. You can say it out loud. It's not a magic prayer. It's more of just a confession of belief. Just say, Jesus I trust you, I believe you're true, and I ask you to fill this emptiness inside of me. I admit that I've missed the mark of sin, but I believe that you were the sacrifice for those sins. So I ask you to come into my life. My life is yours, thank you for saving me. I'm gonna go ahead and build a relationship with you now so that I can survive the difficult times. Help for me to do that. In Jesus' name. For some of others, you can go ahead and y'all were like, should we open our eyes now? You are opening your eyes anyway, cheaters. There's people in the room this morning, and one of the things I realize is that you, you haven't taken the window seat that you have taken some steps away somewhat because you didn't realize what you were doing. Some of it was to to find relief. I want you to know this morning that God's not mad at you, that you haven't stepped out too far and he's like forgotten about you and he can't go get you. No, he he can still get to you, but he wants you to draw close to him. So once again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for all of us that we'll be willing to take a stand on truth as we love the people around us. God, I thank you so much for your truth. God, I pray for the people who have strayed away from it. God, thank you for how your grace welcomes us back and how you love us so much. Lord, thank you for reminding us that you're the only one that can give us fulfillment. So God, we recommit to you. Lord, I pray for people under the sign of my voice God people that I pray for so often God I pray that you would help for us to take the window seat to know that you're faithful and we're going to stand on truth and we're going to stand on love we're going to love you we're going to love people we're going to love uh, we're going to love the culture the people around us but we're going to take a stand on truth God help for us to do that give us boldness like Daniel give us faith like Daniel God I thank you for the amazing church that sits in front of me for the amazing honor of teaching your word. God, I haven't done it perfectly, but Holy Spirit, would you continue to teach it? God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.